ask now as we just press into what is on your heart now that you will enable me to speak clearly and orderly <laughs> and I ask Lord that you would come and touch our hearts with truth and revelation this morning and we ask that by your spirit understanding would come Thank you, Father. I take authority over every hindering force in the house. I bind it. I bind any religious spirit in the name of Jesus. Only that which is of your kingdom in our midst this morning, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. What a blessing. What a blessing. I do not want to preach this morning. We've come out of quite a period. Pastor Edward sends his love and his greetings. Once play in the Cape, we've relocated, as we said before, in the beginning of the year to the Cape, the Yere Blydor. So you're welcome to visit if you want to. But we just um, have gone through a period of time, um, actually the last year. What has been on our hearts as a couple is to wait on God to gain an understanding of the times that we are living in. And I think we shared before you, with you in 2 Chronicles, um, the sons of Issachar, understanding the times and knowing what to do. During this time that as we were just seeking God, um, I don't think you need to be deeply spiritual to understand that the world is in a mess. You don't need um, to be, have any discernment for that. But the most important thing for us as children of the living God is, God, where do we fit into this time frame? And what is on your heart now? And so in a period of time when I was just waiting on the Lord, um, on the 18th of June, I had an um, encounter with God. For many days afterwards, I um, spiritually, actually physically was shaking and um, very emotional. I still cannot, this is the first time that I'm actually sharing it publicly. Um, before, you know, there's, I just revisit that in my spirit. I actually, it started with a dream, but it ended up, in, in a really uh, a visitation from God. But what happened is I saw clouds <clears throat> in the distance, like cloud banks. And it is, was as if I was floating in it. And immediately it started separating. And far in the distance, I saw two great angelic beings, it, actually just from the mid. Uh, up to their heads and sort of like an eastern headdress on their heads were standing in the diff distance and they turned sideways and they took chauffeurs and they started blowing into the heavenlies and immediately in my experience I fell on my face and then the scene changed and I saw um, helicopters and um, a lot of 
army activity going on, but from the top, I could see that it, it was, an, it was um, somewhere in the Middle East that this was happening. And, and again, I was drawn and I, I fell on my face and I, I felt a hand at the back of my head and the hand pressed me into um, a fragrance of rose leaves lying there. But it was, it was like old heritage roses, that deep, deep fragrance coming up. And then I, um, I heard <clears throat> this person behind me um, speaking to me about the season that the bride of Christ is in. And then I, I woke up. And as Edward and myself seek the Lord's face, <clears throat> that very same day we were aware that an American, and in the vision when I saw the, the military activity in the Middle East, um, I saw, you know, actually uh, an American helicopter <clears throat> being shot down. That same day, as we went into the news channels, we saw that it had actually happened. Syria had bombed an American helicopter. And as I was seeking God, I said, Lord, why on earth are you now showing me this? And, and I heard God starting to speak to us, saying that a tipping point for the end times has already begun now in the Middle East. We are there. And we've been preaching on the second coming of Christ for a very long time. The last three years of our ministry has been spent on that. But more than ever, in that encounter, I had a very, very reality of how far things have been. To get back to the second part, <clears throat> and this is what the service is all about, um, positioning for the presence of the Lord. Um, I think globally, the church, the body, the believers of Christ is desperate to break through to the presence of God. What is happening here this morning, the level of your worship is happening in churches all over. People are having night prayer. People are not interested in religion anymore. They are interested in encountering the, the, the living God. And the reason is, church, if we don't get connected with God now, you will not be able to navigate yourself through life in this end times. You need the wisdom of God. You need to know what's going on in the economy from God's side. You need to know, because as I said before, and I keep on saying it, the anointing of God will be on his people. They will be blessed. They will have economical answers. They will have breakthroughs. They will have, or because of God is going to lift up his glorious bride, the seal of God is going to be upon his people. But we are in that time before the glorious church now. It is the time now to be pruned back, to be cut back right into the presence of God. And so this morning is not so much about preaching as I just want you to gain an understanding of the anointing upon and the anointing within. You see, we see right through the Bible, let me, let me go back to Genesis, and in the Garden of Eden, we know that God was, that man was in God's presence, 
and there was no stress. <laughs> and there, because there was no fear. Because in the presence of love, all fear is cast out. So they, they, the man was actually living in the presence of God. Daily in the presence of God. What is God's presence made up out of? What is it? Sometimes we use big words like the presence of God or the glory of God, but we don't actually have a practical understanding of it. So it's made up not only, we only think of it as power, you know, I, I want to get under the power of God. But in essence, it's all, um, if I can put it like this. It's who God is. It's the DNA of God. It's peace. It's wisdom. It's knowledge. It's love. It's joy. It's all of those things the presence of God is made up out of, or the glory of God. It's perfection. And so when man fell in the Garden of Eden, after that period of time, all through the Old Testament and into the Gospels until Jesus actually died and the Holy Spirit was poured out, man conversed with God or made contact through God with blood sacrifices through the priests, through the law, they actually approached God. And the law was held up before them as a form of God saying to restore order to creation. But it was never God's plan that we will approach him through a list of do's and don'ts. His heart was to have communion with his people. His heart was that the word with the law would be written on our hearts, that I would have transformed heart. His heart was always to have sons and daughters that looked like him and that carried the glory like him. That was God's that was, was his purpose why we were created. And so he wanted to restore all of that back, that we would look like him, move like him. And the way, the way before is he wanted that law on our hearts. He wanted our hearts transformed. And so we see in the Gospels, we see many people positioning themselves for for, for the presence of God, to come near to God, to touch God. And I, I, I talk a little bit this morning on the, the woman. We're not actually going to page there. All of you can follow that at home and read through it. Otherwise, we're not going to fit into the time. But we all read in the book of Luke in 8 of the woman of the blood issue. Here was a woman who was probably, um, according to that culture, she had, you were not you were unclean if you had blood issues as a woman, and you weren't allowed in the community. So this woman actually, the Bible says that she is exhausted. Though some um, translation says that all of her finances she could get help from no doctor. So in other words, church, um, maybe her medical aid was was used up, or maybe um, they didn't give the, what is the uh, permission? The medical aid said, no more authorization. It's finished. It's finished. Nowhere to go. Nobody had, had, any, more, um, had any more solutions for her problem. So I don't know. I, I think if we think about it, she most probably heard by the word of mouth about Jesus. And so maybe she visited, and through the crowds, she listened and she sat and faith built up in her heart. And faith caused her to be, because of her desperation, 
her faith as she listened to him, and she most probably encountered what he did with the crowds, made her determined. The Bible said she said within herself, if she could only touch him. And she was so desperate that she pushed through to touch him. And as she touched him, and I love this word for healing, because in actual fact, Jesus didn't turn around and said, let's first clean out your bloodline. Um, what did you do? You know, renew your brain before you, you can be, <laughs> be healed. None of that. The Bible said he didn't even know her. The Bible said she was healed before he actually turned around and found out it, it, it was she that touched him. So, so listen very careful. What happened? She touched the presence of God. And then he turned around and said to the disciples, who touched me? And they said, Lord, are you crazy? You, you can't even move with all the people around you. Everybody's touching you. But there was a difference with the people who were pressing in against him. And this one woman, they said, I don't care if he sees me. I'll just touch his hem. So her faith, church God always responds to faith. Always, no matter how big. If it's a mustard seed, he responds to faith. Her faith actually touched him. And then the healing come. And we see many things in the, in, the, in the Gospels of people pressing into the presence of God. We see people, you know, the friends lifting off the roof to bring their, changing structures to get their friend to the feet of Jesus. We see um, Zacchaeus, you know, limited by his own restrictions of his height, climbing into a tree just to get near to the presence of God. And there's many other stories. But you see... What was so sad up until that time, you know, is if I could only touch him, if I only could get near to him to get my healing. But it's, it's different with us because after the crucifixion, something amazing happened. When Jesus paid the price for us to be once and all and the veil tore for once and for all for us to come into a place of intimacy, and the Holy Spirit was poured out. The scripture, if you can just put up Colossians 1. The scripture that literally changed my life. I've put it up in the message Bible. It says, this mystery that has been kept in the dark for a long time, but is now out in the open. God wanted everyone, not just Jews, in this to know the rich and glorious secret inside, not out. Repeat after me, inside, not out. Regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing, the mystery in a nutshell is just this. Christ in you. Repeat that after me, church. Christ in you. The anointing upon and the anointing within you see, God wanted to tabernacle with these people. He wanted to come and dwell in your heart, to make a home in your heart. Okay, let's go to John 14. You've just got to press in with me a little bit so that you gain understanding of what, what, 
God was, wants to say to us. Because this is now the time, church, when we break through to the anointing without. That's what you guys are doing here corporately. You are pressing in with worship. You are teaching the word of God that doesn't return void. We are seeking God's face. But in all of that, it's so that the anointing within can break through. And if you can get to that place that you can break through into God inside of you, who's, who in this church has all accepted the Lord? Okay, so where's the Lord? Inside. Where inside? In our spirit, man. You see, a lot of us are battling in our minds and our emotions. But Jesus come to dwell in his spirit, man. And so it's to that anointing that we've got to break through Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's not seeking God on the outside more. I see a lot of us are seeking counsel on the outside, social media, you know. 110 ways, 10 steps to change your marriage, five steps to pick up your finances. You know, it's all of that. Have you seen how knowledge is going to and throw? Part of book Revelation said in the last days, knowledge will be going through. Because, you know, we are just like orphans. Help, help. But if the king of the universe is really residing in us, and we can break through to that, to the counsel of God. But we've got, to, we've got to activate it, and we have to ignite it. And the way is Jesus said, if anyone really loves me, he will keep my word, obey my teaching, and I and the Father will love him, and we will come and make our dwelling place with him. The Amplified says, our home with him. So what it literally means, it says, if you obey my commandments, is the more strict translation. So what commandments? Come on, church. Do I go back to the law? Do I, what, what commandments must I obey? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. So what God is actually saying is, if you obey the commandments of love, you will experience the dwelling of God with inside of you. I became very aware that if I, that is why God is reducing the church to a place of love. The minute I stepped into the principles of love, I actually activate the presence of God in me. Why are you saying that? How can you say that? Let's go to 1 John 4. 1 John 4 actually says, The one who does not love has not become acquainted with God, does not and never did know him, for God is love. He is the originator of love. And it is an enduring attribute of his nature. By this, the love of God was displayed in us, that God has sent his one and only begotten son, the one who is the truly unique, the only one of his kind into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, 
not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be appropriation. That is this, the atoning sacrifice and the satisfying offering for us and fulfilling God's requirement and justice against sin. Then that chapter, that chapter goes on and it actually speaks of the fact that God is love. So can I say then, if God is love, that the presence of God is made up out of love? So in my personal life, no matter what I'm battling with, the moment I apply the laws of love, the presence of God shows up, manifests. Hello? Jullie moet like of jullie verstaan. So the moment I actually love... God is present. No matter what your problem is, if I apply the principles of love, love is activated. A lot of us, church, is living reactively. You know, we, we are just so pressurized by our external world. And, and the challenges are getting more and more and more. You know, we're living the scripts that, that our pasts have dealt to us. We're living the scripts of the community, of the demands of society. Um, you know, all of that pressurizing on us in so many different ways that we all, some of us are just constantly reacting in anger. The others... Other of us are just sleeping <laughs> because it's just getting too much, which is also one of the, the warnings of the end time is that, that some of us will fall asleep, you know, because the time is just so long and the struggles are just so great, you know. And so we either reactively taking up weapons of anger or, you know, crouching in fear because... The Bible says in the end times that men's hearts will fail because of fear. And so we have to get back to that place where we live from out of the Lord and not from out of the world. Jeremiah 9, I don't know if we've got that scripture right up in the beginning, Jeremiah 9, um, that says, it says, yeah, okay, I'm just going to quote it like this. Let not the wise man say, boast, to, boast in his wisdom, and let not the mighty and the powerful boast in his strength, and let not the man who is rich boast in his temporal satisfaction and earthly abundance, but let him who boasts, boasts in the fact that he knows and understands me. This is an amazing word. Because this is exactly what the world is finding their validation in. You know, it's either knowledge, <laughs> you know, knowledge. We often see quotes on knowledge is power or knowledge is this. Or it's, um, you know, power, position, status, ambition, all of that. Or it's in material wealth. We find our validation to everybody it's something else. You know, I, I even see with women 
you know, the things that we found our worth in, like beauty. All of that, God created beauty for us. We were created to enjoy beauty. But when that becomes our security, when money becomes our security, when power, when, when, when our careers, all of that trying to fill a vacuum inside of us that was created by God to be filled by God, which is love. That vacuum inside of you needs to be filled with love. And it starts out in a place of, um, God says, those are not the things to boast in, but I want you to boast in the fact that you are able to know and understand me. This continues to fill me with an incredible sense of wonder that the God of the galaxies actually wants us to know and understand him. You know, that, 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 that continues to just overwhelm me. That we are actually, if we need one scripture now to soak on and meditate on and chew on till it goes from head knowledge to heart knowledge, that king of the galaxy has placed his spirit within me and he act, he's actually take up residency in me. I just have to ignite connect with that the problem is we, we, we live you know when we don't hear God we just start making our own plans when we don't hear God we, we seek counsel in different places instead of drawing back and responding to life not reacting to life but responding to life not out of a place of fear but out of a place of rest. One of the keys to the presence of God is resting, getting your mind to a place of rest, like a baby who, who's on a breast. I've just come back. We've just had newborn twins, and one of the little girl was screaming her heads off until you place that breast, then she's just quiet and out. And that's just how God is, you know. The moment you, you connect with love again, your mind just goes back to a place of rest. Interesting, and I've said it before, and I often say it in counseling training, when your brain is at a place of rest, your creativity and pro uh, uh, problem solving just flows. Because, you see, there is a solving of problems because the solver of problems is inside of you. And if you can get your mind quiet, then maybe out of your spirit, solutions can start flowing to you. But, but you have to get to that places of rest. Because the presence of God is made up out of rest. Out of peace. Jesus says, in this world you will have many problems, but be of good cheer. I've given you, left you a gift. And it's the gift of shalom. I can walk in the midst of everything just in a place of shalom. And then you'll find that things will come to you. Without you going. <gasps> and, and that's so important. So what I'm actually saying for me to draw back into that place of, of not living reactively. I have to church. Eat, sleep, and drink love. 
I've got to study it. Like it's an absolutely necessary nutrient for me to do life. And that is just exactly where, where God is with the church now. I want to be a little bit practical and just let, let's look at three, three places of love. So first of all said, if you love me, you will obey me and then and the Father. So it seems as if there's a little bit of an order here. Why? Because it's impossible for me to love myself or my neighbor. I can fake it, but it won't have any power. Until I've not come to know the love of God in my own heart that God has for me personally. Yes, Deline, but I've heard that and I've tried that and I'm really struggling. I just want to say, church, I understand because all my life I struggled with it. Coming just out of a background where my heart was just so stony and so dead. You know, just dead. There would be moments of, of feeling love, but just unable, unable. And God really, I, I can remember when I accepted Christ, there was a period that I was just so in love with life and the world and the flowers and the dogs and people and everything. But then I returned to that stony place and then God started a journey with me. But I want to say to you that how do I start out to accept the love of God for myself? Well, it's been poured a Poured out in your heart, you've just got to act activate it. And the word of God says in 1 John 4, it says, We have come to know and believe the love of God has for us. So I have to receive that love by faith. I've got to start, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I am loved. I can remember one period. I, I got in my car and for 40 days as I woke up and put my foot out of the bed, I would say, I'm loved. And strangely, through that day, I was more comforted and experienced less fear. So that's the first thing, church, is to accept the love of God. But then <clears throat> the second comes, which is actually that a lot of us are struggling with incredibly, is loving yourself. Because God loves you. For we start loving others. If I had to make a request this morning and say, who of you in this church are battling with self-hatred, self-consciousness, insecurity? You're most probably going to be so insecure you won't put up your hand. <laughs> Why am I saying that? I want to say the only solution to that is to become more God-conscious than self-conscious. You see, the more I behold Him and study love and understand love, the less I will be conscious of myself. The more I see that there's nothing that I can do that He is offended with or that will make Him love me more because He just loves me. That was a hard one for me because all my life I, I, I wanted to perform to receive his love. But I have to get to that place where, where his love draws me out of the hell of self-consciousness and self 
and I start to see that he's still smiling in spite of my sin and my weaknesses when he looks at me. I don't know about you, but when I just accepted the Lord, and I, I would go, it would go so well with me. I'm really becoming a Christian now. Now I'm getting this right. I'm even stopped smoking, and it's going well. You know, and really, and then I would have a bad day, like a bad day, and then I think, oh no, how do I get back to God? I'm going to climb the mountain again. You know, and it, I became so tired, I nearly backslid because I just couldn't get it right. You see, none of that is going to fix you up. It's accepting the fact that Jesus became your righteousness. You are righteous because of what Jesus does. You just have to embrace that love. You've got to embrace that love and let his love start to make you whole. Let his love start to bring holiness and purity. Because now I don't want to offend him anymore. And I don't want to do those things now because I know why I do that. I gained the understanding because of that. And so even this morning, God wants to bring you out of this place of self-consciousness into a God-consciousness to set you free because all of your self-consciousness is placing restrictions on you. You have no idea what is still inside of you and that you are limiting yourself with. Because if we go to the scripture in 1 John 3, it's very interesting. It says that if we, um, I just want to open my own Bible there. But it actually says, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have liberty with God. What an incredible scripture. It's your heart that's stopping you to receive the things from God, the Trouble is not with God. Your own heart condemning you. I haven't prayed enough. I haven't written my Bible enough. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. You, you are placing the restrictions on your own life. It's a, absolutely, let's just read it together. <clears throat> but it's so important that um, we look at it. Let me just get there quickly. Little children, I'm reading from 1 John 3, verse 18. Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but with deed and truth. We shall know by this that we are of truth, and we shall assure our heart before him. In whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our hearts, and he knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God and whatever we ask, receive from him. So here's an interesting factor. It seems that, that even this condemning heart hinders your prayer life because now you don't have faith because you're putting your faith back into your own righteousness. I've blown it so, so I don't have confidence before God. You know, maybe... My, maybe you know, God, God won't really do that for me, you know. But remember the woman of faith? God didn't consider all of that. Her faith just released power. Because she was just convinced this man is good. He doesn't even have to look at me. Everything about him is good. 
I'll just touch him and I'll be fine. What am I saying? I'm saying that, that you need to stop putting yourself on a scale. Coming to the liberty that Christ has paid for. He's come to set you free. To be free to become everything that is dreamt for you. There's nothing as bad for a parent when you've had a dream for your child. And, and you, you saw the ability and, the, and, and that child's just not able to reach that place. But you know it's there. It's there. It's there. Because it's in their DNA. And that's how God is. There's so much more church. You know, what, what never stops to surprise me is that Paul, who was a man who was such a religious guy, he, was, he says he, he was first in the synagogue. He was a very learned man, and he, that was what he was boasting in life, that he knew the law, that he knew. And yet after he saw Jesus, <laughs> he doesn't come and say, Study the Lord, do this, do this. He says one thing to the church. I pray that you will know how wide and how deep the love of Christ is. Why? Jesus just said one thing to him. said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? He didn't instruct him about nothing. That's all he said to him. And you know what? He was transformed by love. He was transformed by love. He doesn't, when he speaks to the churches, say, you've got to drive out the demons, do this, do this, plant so many churches. He says, no, I pray that you will know how wide and how deep the love of Christ is. Because he knew, if they knew that, the churches will come, the demons will be driven out, and the people will be healed. See, we do it the other way around. So Frontline, I want to encourage you today. You need to start pressing into the presence of God for God encounters to transform your heart. And for us, how do we walk in these laws of, of learning how to love? What do I do, Deline, if I sit here today and, and if I say, I'm not love, so how do I love? I haven't got it. I'm amputated. Life is amputated. My heart is shut down. I've just been in survival mode for so long. There's nothing happening there. I don't even know where to start. That's what I love about the Lord. The whole universe... Science, economics, everything, social, everything runs on laws. There's, there's laws, physical laws. And so there are spiritual laws. And if I apply those laws, it, it's like an action that has a reaction. So the minute I apply the laws of love, I set into motion a spirit of love which draws the presence of God. The minute 
I start with myself by what I think, what I feel. If I can get, Paul's, uh, David says, let the meditations of my heart and the, and the thoughts of my mind be acceptable to you. So, so when all of that, when I come to the place where me, my mind starts thinking love, my emotions will flow. Some of us don't hurt people by what we say or we do, but we hurt them here by what we think and we hurt ourselves in our minds. So I just want to run in, in, in through some practical steps um, of how to love. How can I activate the love of God in me? Where do I start? And so I want you now as an individual, now this is to anoint the presence of God inside of you, okay, is to start applying these laws. And the first law that you need to start applying is unconditional love instead of judgment. I've recently listened to a man's teaching. He, he passed away a month ago. I don't know if, who knows him. It's Neville Johnson. He was a very strong prophet in the nations, very balanced man. And he, he actually um, had a teaching on that where he breaks open the fact that the tree of life is actually made up out of un unconditional love. It, it, it is an amazing revelation that has come to the body of Christ. But all I'm saying now, so what do I do? If I can look at my world and the people that my life touches, my immediate family, myself, my colleagues, my world in which I live, and we all have people who are not very pleasant or easy to to with. If I can, from today, start applying the, the, the principle of unconditional love instead of judgment. That is the first, first law that I need to start applying. The second law that I need to start applying immediately is to seek to understand before I expect people to, to, be, to seek to understand before I'm understood. You don't understand my boss. You don't know what he's doing. Why don't you start asking God why he's acting like he is? And when you start addressing that before you want him to understand you. You see, Jesus, who was the king of the universe, the darling of the heavenlies, didn't come down and say, I am God and you will all bow before me. He didn't do that. The Bible said he divorced himself from his attributes that actually made him God. He took it off, like I would take off my coat. He lay it down. He put on an apron and said, what can I do for you? Your success is my honor. That's what love is. Could you start applying that to saying your success is my honor? You see, we talk about servitude in the church. You know, we, we talk about it, we've got to serve, we've got to serve. But sometimes it turns into, it turns into um, works. 
you know. I'm on every church board and I'm, but we're not serving out of a motivation of the love of Christ, of your success is my honor. And, and we, we, need to, we need to return to that place. One of the things that actually helped me tremendously is when, when we get into contact with difficult people or people, strange people that we don't know or that is different to our culture or just different to my world is to do what Ephesians 5 verse 1 and 2 says. His, his Paul says, I walk in love. And then the amplifier says it's so beautiful. Delighting. And esteeming others as Christ loved me and gave himself up as a fragrant offering before God. What a powerful word. You see, it's the fragrance of Christ that will draw the broken and the lost out into the church. Can we stop trying to fit people into cookie-cut images? And could we perhaps start enjoying them for who they are and delighting in their individuality and just respecting and honoring them as people? The rest is not our business. Church, let me tell you, there's a big difference between discernment and judgment. Stop telling me that you're discerning this and you're discerning that. You're actually judging. If you discern things, you are to keep quiet and pray before God. Why are you discerning it and what you should do about it? But unless we don't get this sorted out about starting to delighting and honoring people. What about your family? What about their difficult children or those difficult relationships? Could, could you start perhaps just... Instead of, um, you know, and we women, we're great at that. We're just so great at, you know, not delighting ourselves in our husbands that are not living as we think they should live. So could we just start enjoying people's individuality and just respecting them even if they don't do Christianese? You know, just just start respecting them for where they are at. I'm convinced if you impact with love, transformation will happen. Because love, church, always produces, always. Love cannot return void. This is love. It's a love letter. Maybe if you start looking like that, you would like to read it more. It's actually possible to love the unloved by just starting to enjoy them and respecting them. The other thing is because the world is seeped in control and manipulation and intimidation, the opposite of that would be instead of manipulating to lead by example 
to stop manipulating things the way we want them to be and start applying example. That's not your business. Your business is to live a lifestyle that would glorify God. Sometimes who we are speaks louder than what we say. The world says by our love for each other, the world will know. Before we go into a ministry time, I want to say for those of you that just feel you are in dead relationships and you have just been considering a divorce or separation or what, what is the modern word they are now calling it? Uncoupling or what? Whatever it is. Just return to the place of humility, of sacrifice, and of honoring, and of putting on the apron of servanthood. And I guarantee you that in with six weeks, your marriage will be transformed. I often say it, I never get on a pulpit without at least saying it once. And I want you to just repeat after me again this morning, life is not about me. And I know to some of you it's quite a surprise. My children often say, I know what you're going to say now, mom. I know what you're going to say. But the moment you say that, something shifts in your mind and you get a different perspective. I want us to go into a time of worship. How is our time, Pastor? How, many time, how much time is left? Okay. What I want to do is let's just close our hands. Close our hands. Don't close your hands. <laughs> close your eyes. Can I just perhaps ask that, <clears throat> that as the worship team comes up, don't look at me anymore now. This is now between you and God. I first want to speak to people this morning who are just um, that thing of the condemnation of their own heart because of their failure. Because you've set up standards for yourself that you have felt you have not reached. And you just uh, actually see some people whipping themselves. You know, I'm a failure. I've failed. Man, God is the God of many chances. He's the God of constant new beginnings. He can within a moment ignite what you've lost and set you on your path again. But this morning, God wants to release you of that deep, deep, terrible evil thing of self-consciousness. Some of us are just so, so programmed by the world, you know, we're not thin enough, we're not fat enough, we're not tall enough, we're not this, we're not no, 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 all of that. And we've just become so body conscious and we've just become so um, trapped in the condemnation of our own hearts because of the scriptings of our past and our parents that have been handed down to us and our own scriptings of we, what we thought we should attain. And this morning God is calling you back to behold love.
I wonder as an act of desperation for those of you that, that just need to say, God, I want, I want to return to the place where I'm just, just love myself aright. I'm not talking about self-esteem. I'm talking about coming to places of rest within yourself. Being set free from the opinions of people. Just reach out to God in this moment. As we just focus. I believe that God is in the worship just going to show you his face this morning. There's some of us now that not st needs to start dealing with the judgments. Your intense judgments, you know. I want to say one thing here, and this is that we often judge people at the place of our strength. Whereby they might have strengths in other areas where we have weaknesses. And so this morning, God wants you to just confess that. The moment you confess it, his blood is able to cleanse it. Right now. Could you perhaps step out of places of manipulation to get it your way? And start by leading an example, rather. Could you perhaps this morning ask forgiveness for the fact where you've wanted to put people into your box without enjoying their individuality and their uniqueness? Could you perhaps ask forgiveness for being dishonoring towards people because they're not like you? So I'm going to start out, I, as the worship team leads us and we enter into worship, I want people now, the reason I'm calling you forward, because sometimes you have to do something with your body to physically break a pattern in your life so that things can change outwardly. Will you like the woman who was desperate to touch him? Just come this morning and say, I am sick and tired of this hell of self. And I'm asking you now, God, to reposition me that I would become more self-conscious, more God-conscious.